Hello and uh, welcome to the podcast. Uh, my name's Adam. I'm Craig. And you're listening to Adam Craig's Guilty Pleasure Cinema. Adam and Craig's Guilty Pleasure. Adam and Craig's Guilty Pleasure. Adam and Craig's Guilty Pleasure Cinema. Last Man Standing Last Man brackets standing. the movie. Back on track. Yes. Um, Alright, so... Uh, what is the story from IMDb? The story is a fistful of Yojimbo. You want to say like a remake? I would say oh, pastiche and homage. Yeah, a homage. Uh, kind of uh, a passing of the torch in terms of story. Yeah. Um, so kind of what Hill touched on this. Um, he said it like took him a long time to be persuaded to do it in the first place. He thought the very idea of adapting Mr. Kurosawa. Yep. Thank you. Uh, was in insanity for the obvious reasons because obviously he made the movie already and, and it's like why yeah why do it again why do it again mm. if it's it, why build on perfection yes you know what I mean the reason whole, uh, Walter Hill agreed to it was that um, if he could remake the movie it wouldn't obviously be like the spaghetti western Fistful of Dollars no. Um, which is uh, has here the unauthorized European remake. Yeah, they <laughs> sneaky Europeans. Down as Europeans. Um, when he learned that Kurosawa was supportive of the American remake, he'll agree to write and direct, but on one condition. So you're gonna. I was gonna say, it. I feel like that was Kurosawa being like, "Yeah, go the Americans, fuck you, Sergio Leone." And yeah. I don't think if there wasn't a Sergio Leone, he would have been like, "No, I'd rather you didn't." But I reckon just to rub salt into the wound. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, but I Boo. feel like it's obviously enough times passed between yeah. where it almost needs a bit of an update, if you know what I mean. You can't get what I'm saying. Like, I, is, uh, I, you know, when we talk about reboots in a way of retelling the I story, I do and I don't because there's too many examples of when oh it's a new adaptation it's a new re- new look new approach mm. of a film where it's just gone horribly 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 wrong I don't know I suppose for me it's like oh well this is the new ad- adaptation of It or this is the mm. new adaptation of Carrie I don't know why I'm picking just Stephen King movies but this is the new adaptation <laughs> of The Shining no um, yeah uh, he decided to do a 1930s gangster film using the techniques of 1940s film noir yeah yeah, very. It's so film noir, from what I remember. It is, yeah. Especially, you'll see when. Number uh, one, no women. Number two, <laughs> voiceover. Women. Number three, lots of guns. Yeah, uh, I, I quite like the sort of the talking uh, voiceover narrative that he does. I know you're not a big I fan of that. I don't movies. remember liking it. I'm happy to watch this film again and be yeah, swayed, yeah. but. So, when it comes to exposition, yeah, we, we like the idea of show and don't tell like don't tell like it's always really clunky when you have characters literally almost having to explain it cinema at its finest can be interpreted however the audience wants it to be yeah. interpreted yeah. if a character comes along and says I'm thinking exactly this it removes any element of there is a bit of that because um, when it comes to interpretation like if I do a painting mm. I can know what it is and I can entitle it in a certain way and mm. I can maybe have themes and Objects, but someone can look at a painting without any of that information and conclude mm. something else from it. And I feel like cinema obviously is art, but in its own way, can do that a lot of the time as yeah. well. And yeah, you're right, it does feel a bit clunky sometimes when someone is like, It is this, I am that, this yeah. is this. Um, and it really kind of like sets it in almost like concrete, like what things are, and doesn't allow any kind of fluidity of the scene. Mm. And isn't it great when there are moments in cinema where you just don't know the answer? So, mm. for example, easiest example, Lost in Translation. We don't know what he said. 
Have you seen Lost in Translation? You're looking at me so blankly. <laughs> uh, do you know what? There's you one of those what? Lo- I've never watch seen. Lost in Translation. Uh, Great. Because I've, I've, I know that thing. And I swear there's... Uh, is it... If you put on the subtitles or something like that, you actually hear what he says. I feel like if says. that was the case, I would have found out by yeah, it. Yeah, I feel but, like maybe I'm wrong with that. Yeah. Um, okay, another example. Have you seen A League of Their Own? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right at the end, spoiler alert, Gina Davis drops the ball, yep. uh, standing on fourth base against her sister, and the debate between the actors at the time, the filmmakers at the time, and audiences ever since has been like, did she drop the ball on purpose to yeah, give her yeah. sister the win? And I had that debate. But that ambiguity allows this to happen. Of course. Conversation exactly. Whereas if the voiceover at the time was, and I dropped the ball so she could mm. win, you'd be like, oh. Anyway, next yeah. movie. So, yeah, voiceover for me, meh. <laughs> Very articulate. Thank you. Um, cool, all right, so uh, enough of that. Let's go sit down, get on the couch. Oh, it's, I've got it on the streams. It's ready, yeah, to, go. It ready to go. I paid for it, £3.49. Let's go. Cool. <laughs> Back in the room. Uh, so what do you think? First initial thoughts. Number one, this film is very orange. <laughs> yeah, DVD, it's got a bit... I remember the DVD cover being very orange. Yeah, it, it does have that. It has that slight tint, doesn't it? That kind of desert. Slight uh, tint. Breaking Bad on the It's Mexico. like someone rubbed the entire celluloid with a tangerine. It was crazy orange. Yeah, they obviously definitely tried to hand down that this is in the desert. Somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, second the thought, Mexico, I totally so thought that Texas. Shane Black wrote this film. I can see why. He did Last Boy Scout, also starring Bruce Willis. Which has got an awesome opening of the football yeah, game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But not very, I mean, very different movies. Uh, final thought is, this film's just ridiculous. Yeah, it uh, slightly goes up to 11 with some of the gunfights. It is the most 11 stupid film I've seen for a long time. And I watched Surf Ninjas the other day. So Roger Ebert, um, his uh, one star rating of this movie... Uh, Last Man Standing is such a desperately cheerless film, so dry, laconic, and wrung out that you wonder if filmmakers even uh, ever thought that in any way it could be fun. <laughs> that I think that's. Unfair. I think it's a bit disingenuous that that's because yeah, a... this is just pure fun in my Aww, opinion. Either that's. That's upset. That's like watching Django and being like, "Oh, it's no fun." It's people flying all over the place when they yeah. get a bullet in them. You know, William Sanderson's having a big old dance every time he can, you know, see exactly. something happy. It's great. I mean, sure, it's not the quick and the dead, but it was great. Let's just sort of touch on some of the key plot points then. Um, so, uh, John Smith, uh, great name. John Smith from back east. Yeah, so uh, if you obviously, he's on the run, which you kind of get from some of the dialogue, you know, he's kind of. And obviously the fact that he's pretty handy with uh, with his pistols. And you don't head down to Mexico back in those days with, unless mm. you're on the run. It's, it's in the novelization of the book, mm. um, you find out a little bit more about why he's heading that way. Okay. So um, in the opening scene, obviously he's traveling, um, mm-hmm. he spins a bottle. That doesn't happen in the novelization. Because, I love that. Yeah, yeah, that's a good little, you know... A uh, bit of cinema because it kind of shows you the kind of carefree attitude. It's like I'm going where yeah. you know fate decides. You know thing. what didn't help 
that, that? the voiceover mm. that came with it. I knew you were going to say that. It was just, it's just so... Un- oh, I got I got a tight 50 about this uh, voiceover. And not just the voiceover. A lot of the dialogue is crazy expository. Just mm. me to you or character to character, not even in John Smith's yeah, head. Yeah, I feel the problem with the movie, as as we'll get through, is because of the... As we've said before, the pacing... And the sort of ping-ponging yeah. of the of the narratives of going back and forth between mm. the gangs. I feel that it's needed sometimes to just kind of hone you in where the story is. Yeah. So just kind of going back to the part why is there, he's meant to meet the guy that's in the, the Undertaker bit. You know, yeah, so he okay. sees the dead body. Apparently that's the guy he's meant to be meeting to um, get like his fake passport or Got fake it. ID to okay. so he can cross the border. You know, I don't think you ever find out why he's on the run, but you assume that this is kind of his shtick. You know, drugs, drugs. I'm gonna say drugs. Maybe drugs, uh, but it's prohibition, so I assume it's obviously some sort of probably, related. Yeah, he killed someone. Yeah. He did. It doesn't matter. Yeah. He's on the run for whatever reason. The mystery is there, and you can add and those he, pieces he together. He picks a name, uh, John Smith, which is really inconspicuous. So he uh, rocks up and into town, and it's a bit of a ghost town. Uh, yeah. Everyone's kind of like deserted it because there's these two gangs. Uh, one's it. Italian, one's Irish. That's kind of what you need well, to Well, hold on. No, I'm not going <laughs> to let that one slide. One gang is the most Italian gang you're ever going to see. Yeah. They might as well be saying Baba da Boopy. Yeah. And. The other gang is the least Irish gang you're ever going to see. They might like, as well be saying Papa da Boopy. But I feel like that's so American in a way because you know how it's like, yeah, your great, great, great granddad was probably but, Irish. You know what I mean? But, like, but Adam, 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 you are yes, Irish. I am. I'm half yes. Irish. This film at times reminded me of when you get Irish characters in The Simpsons. It was very, very shit. <laughs> but I don't think anyone really does an Irish accent in that movie. Ah, uh, Doyle. This man here thinks it's a free country. Sure he does now. Go on, father. We, Kill him. I feel like we have to go back now. That, <laughs> was, very, that was, the I, very first dude that introduces himself that Bruce Willis shoots up with bullets. Uh, he, sound, is, no, he sounds more like the guy. Mr. Who, Doyle doesn't like you looking at his woman now. Sure he does he for does sure. He does not sound anything like... He's he sounds trying like to and he's guy. He sounds like the giant guy that gets out of the small car in The Simpsons. <laughs> He sounds like, <laughs> this is the largest automobile I could afford. I will happily press pause and find that dude. <laughs> One second. Well, I'm glad we agree. He's definitely putting on an Irish accent. He fucking is. He is definitely no, wait, you're making He's it, in the Irish your, gang. Your impression of him is making it sound like a fucking oh, Dubliner. Oh, sure, Jesus, you got that yeah. car fixed no, now, do you? He's literally like, have you got your car fixed yet? Have you? Have, I'm sorry. He's in the Irish gang. He sounds Irish. He's doing right. a terrible Irish accent. We could, we're going to be here all day if we yeah, keep this absolutely. up. Uh, we'll agree to disagree on this. Uh, let us know in the comments section. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, obviously, yeah, they've um, he's rocked up into uh, Jericho. That's the town that he's, um, mm-hmm. he's holding up in. Yep. And good town, he, though. It's a very good town, though. And he stops very he courteously. He people jaywalking. Yeah, he's very courteous. Stops uh, passing through, and it's Mr. Doyle's girl. Her, his property. His property. Oh. <laughs> um, so it, they all come out and they inform him that he shouldn't be looking at women he doesn't know. Mm-hmm. And then Bruce Willis abruptly tells him that it's a free country, or someone once told me. 
and they then proceed to smash the shit out of his car. Someone puts their fist through the wind, not their elbow or a brick, their yeah, fist. Yeah, the massive the dude. The massive dude. Yeah. And he's, it's even funnier because he stood next to the little guy with the knife. That is, and we've talked about The Simpsons already a lot, but that is a, uh, all in favour? Nee. <laughs> Get him, fellas. It's that kind of image. Yeah, he's, um, I think he's just showing a very diverse crowd. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Good for the Doyle family for exactly. hiring all of these you don't have to have any height Irish, maybe, possibly yeah. Irish people. Well, if you want to talk about the height disadvantage of Irish people, just look at my mum. I Not typically actually. don't look at your mum because uh, I don't she, actually know what actually, she looks like. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure she's like, I think she's shorter than five foot. Oh, wow. Yeah. What happened to you? How big's your dad? Anyway, so they beat <laughs> up his car. They beat up Bruce Willis's car real good. And Bruce Willis goes for help from Laura Dern's dad. Yes. Bruce. Sheriff has told him kind of the lay of the land. I'm not going to do anything. Uh, yeah. I'm going to do, do a goddamn thing around it. Yeah, if you, want, like, cool. if you want to sort this out, go get yourself a gun. Unbeknownst to him, he's got two. Hey, so double he, down. He rocks over um, to the bar um, and he meets the uh, bartender, Joe, Joe Monday. Joe Monday. Yeah. Um, was obviously uh, played by William Sanderson. Yes. Uh, yeah, very good character actor. He is amazing in yeah. Blade Runner. He is very good in Blade Runner. Bruce Willis tools up, gets his guns on. Yeah. Goes pales, miss, uh, goes and pays Mr. Doyle's lot um, a house call. Yep. And this is where you see the first kind of I want to say the heightened violence. Heightened violence. Uh, the kind of exaggerated uh, physics mm. that this movie has in its universe. Yeah. Most famously, people will know what we're talking about as something from uh, a Tarantino movie. Yeah, in particular Jack, oh, Django Unchained, when someone gets shot with a bullet and they just go flying backwards ten yeah. feet. So the sheer physics of it, you know, it might knock you down, but it's not going to carry you meters, which is what happens here. So yeah. Bruce Willis unloads into this guy in a quick draw fire, yeah. and this guy goes flying, and I love it. It's beautiful. It's it's lovely, and it's the same with. Uh, similar but different a John Woo movie yeah when Charlie in fact has got 50,000 bullets in a six shooter <laughs> and you're just like yeah alright why not let's just have fun let's yeah. and that's what going back to the uh, Ebert criticism mm. yeah if you want realism watch something like Barry Lyndon but mm. if yeah, you want sure. to just engage with a movie for 90 minutes and go I'm going to switch off the rest of the world something like this is great mm. brain popcorn yes so with that um, he's blown away this guy oh yeah and he's now being picked up by Strozzi because he's oh. uh, obviously you know caused a bit of a scene he's gone to the whorehouse banging the chick um, Leslie Mann yeah Leslie Mann um, uh, I like the dynamic between them two because she's like just <laughs> the worst sex scene in yeah, the world that's the, it's almost like I quite like uh, the fact that because yeah. she's having a, almost like talking about a week yeah, she and might then, as well be at the hairdressers yeah. having a chat or in the back of a cab or whatever. But no, she's getting, I'm not going to say ploughed. <laughs> no, she's getting hammered, mate. It's, it's really bed's slow and... It's, it's, there's it's, no intimacy behind there's it. There's no intimacy and there's no passion. It's just like... And that's what he's paid for. Yeah. And uh, two guys kicking the door and then out of nowhere... Bruce Willis shoots his he, load. He's, he's, he's packing two guns... Uh, I'm not too sure if he I grabs think, him from the bedside. I but... thought, might, uh, I I think he does grab them from the bedside. It would have been cooler if he just grabbed them from under the pillow. Yeah, but then desperado it's... style or nature's pocket. So um, he then wastes them two guys, and then uh, obviously find out that she's the one that kind of 
laid the information to uh, to Doyle's guys, and then uh, you get that quick scene back to him with Strazi, you know, introducing him to the rest of the family and uh, Giorgio. I hated this scene. How is it that Strazi's only got Italian goombas working for him? How is there no one person apart from Bruce Willis at this point? That honestly, it's the extras from Goodfellas just sat around this yeah, table, yeah. including Michael Imperioli. Um, it was insane. It was bananas to have this weird Italian feast where they're all just like, "Hey, Gabo Ghoul tearing off shit, yeah, chunks yeah. of bread and but they're Italian. They're like, you know, they don't." Obviously, if you've you've watched things like Goodfellas and The Godfather, you can only be made if you're Italian. Yeah, no, I know, <laughs> I know that. That was a dent but in your even, argument. Even in Goodfellas, Samuel Jackson's there. There's some variation going on. There's someone yeah. that's like, oh, okay, this guy. Saying there's not enough diversity in the Italian. I'm saying world. that it's absurd that Jericho just has 25 Italian goons. What is the benefit of being in Jericho? For any of these twenty-five goons, right? Okay. Is it, so, a pu- is it a punishment? Like they fucked up in the city, they slept with the wrong person, they're going to hide out in Jericho, right, or is okay, it like good. the place to be sent as like? Well I don't done, think it is because um, this. Uh, the reason why they're in Jericho and the reason why they're battling is because of the prohibition that they're smuggling in goods from mm. over the border of Mexico. So it's a bit of like a lifeline. Um, sure. I'm not really too sure why. It's one of those things. It's like, sure, there'd be other towns. and mm. um, But just for this story, this is the setting. And this no, is, right, yeah, sure. You know I, mean? I, I understand that I've got a certain element of disbelief. It just pissed me off. I'm not saying off. you need that. But yeah, I get why. Because it's a dirt and town and there's obviously it, nothing going on in And there. I find it amazing that this dirt town on the Mexican border can still get fresh meatballs shipped from Chicago, I assume, every day. And Doyle hasn't thought, well, that's how I'll hurt them. Yeah, it's... um... In Jericho, first you get the olive oil, then you get the power, (laughs) then you get the women. There will see a little bit of confrontation, a bit back and forth. You see a bit of conflict between Mm. Smith and Giorgio. So he's gone off to Nick, help Nick the trucks. Yeah, which I enjoyed this scene. Yeah, so he stands in the middle of the road yep. and uh, yeah, he... stand front and center. Like, yeah, I can see that, dude. You didn't yeah. need to tell me, but okay. So they Nick the trucks and I think, I'm pretty sure it's Booze that's in those trucks. Now, with this, this is where, as I said, I think the movie starts to fall down a little bit because you're having to keep up with who's what side Smith's on, mm. who's he playing, mm-hmm. because he he's obviously letting people know that uh, the Italians are responsible for the robbery on the mm-hmm. highway. He's back in the fourth thing, and he sort of basically throws off the Italians. Yeah. He, he's working for Doyle, but then he phones up Giorgio because he gets the phones working again and says, Giorgio, yeah. something, 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 go to Mexico. But then he uses that information to go to Doyle to say, this is where you're going to kidnap Giorgio. So they yeah. kidnap Giorgio. But all at the same time, he's making eyes at Doyle's lady and Strazi's lady. Yeah. Uh, and he's getting Leslie Man out of prison. Yeah. And... Yeah, yeah this is yeah. Of... You're just just in the like the ten seconds that you've just said all of that. It's really like you know, it's Why? like a tennis match. Yeah. It's just like side to side. Yeah. What's you know who are you with? Yeah. What are you doing? And, and then and then so there's a great scene. I mean, Hickey Hickey comes back. Like well, but yeah, okay. Well, yeah, so yeah, I'm getting I'm this because it ping ponging. I'm ping ponging. Yes, there is a lot of 
bing, 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 tennis matching. Who's he against? Who's he but for? This is, he but he's in it for the money. We've That's literally good. just watched a movie, yeah, and we're trying to remember the almost like the order of things <laughs> yeah. that are happening. And yeah. It doesn't. It's not just. A, it's it's not very straightforward because it's. You're like, wait, did that scene happen before that? What's led to that scene? Oh, no, 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 wait. Why so was he, he doing this? Why was he doing was that again? For? Yes. Yeah, who's he? he what's the benefit of that? And it was like, so, you know, all this confusion happens. And obviously, in a way, you know, he's spinning a lot of plates, mm. which kind of catches up to him. So you can kind of forgive in the sense that even Bruce Willis, John Smith's character, can't even keep up with the story in a way. Yeah. Um, and he kind of gets found out um, because... Uh, he finds out that Doyle's girl is being held up in the roadhouse. Is it? No, the roadhouse? No, it's, yeah. Roadhouse. Roadhouse. Yes. Um, I think that's, again, this, this is like kind of, as I said, the problem of the movie is trying to think of actually what is happening right yeah. now. Um, and he goes to rescue her. Well, well we're missing, we, we've missed a really key scene in betwixt. All oh, okay, wait. So let's just go because I even I'm getting really confused. Yeah, now. no, no. That's, but that's fine. That's all part of the negatives of this film. Um, yeah. So we missed a bit where uh, Hickey arrives and he rocks up and yeah, called Christopher Walken. And it's Christopher Walken. Who plays? Not doing the least Christopher Walken he's ever Christopher Walken. Uh, yeah, it's great. Thinking of any kind of character work that Christopher Walken's done where he's not being Christopher Walken. Uh, number one, Heaven's Gate. Mm. Heaven's Gate and probably King of New York are the two that spring to mind where he's not being Christopher Walken. But you're talking Seven Psychopaths, he's Christopher Walken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Catch me if you can, he is Christopher Walken. <laughs> Holy heck. Is Wedding crashes, you yeah, better yeah. believe he's Christopher Walken. Pulp Fiction, he is Christopher <laughs> Walkening all up and down that film. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, it's got a very weird cadence to his yeah. dialogue. I would love to understand why that is. You've seen The Magnificent Seven, the original. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Steve McQueen in that is always kind mm. of touching his hat, shaking shotgun shells, checking the gun, doing yeah, yeah, the thing. Yeah. And your eye is always on Steve McQueen, the coolest yeah, yeah. man in the world. Christopher Walken is doing the same thing, but we know him as the dialogue guy who talks with a bit of a weird voice. Yeah. And opens himself up for that parody, but you still know who Christopher Walken is, even if you don't know a Christopher Walken movie. Yeah. It's great. And I think, in a way, it almost adds to like the unhinged, unhingedness is that even a word, of the character, because mm. of the way kind of like you know like how that Christopher Walken squints and mm. you know as I said like the sort of the way he delivers some of the um, the dialogue with like a bit of gravitas and mm. he really kind of uh, sells that this guy is not on the level. <laughs> he is. A few screws short. Well, you see that in one of the scenes when he fucking opens up these uh, oh, Tommy no, guns. I, I, I don't want to talk about that scene yet because, again, <laughs> I got so much time just for that moment. Um, but yeah. yeah, so Christopher Walken appears and he and Bruce Willis kind of tete a tete against yeah. one another because yeah, they're no, both so like, we're the tension. two big swing dicks of yeah. this film. And then in that scene, you've also got Doyle, which is played by. David oh, Patrick Kelly. David Patrick Kelly. Doyle kind of gets the... Obviously, he gets in the middle of them and he's like, right, enough of this shit. You can see the kind of... Um, he's like Napoleon. Yeah, he's got the short man syndrome. Mm. I, I want to know the kind of relationship between Doyle and Hickey. Like, how have these two kind of really got together? Like, because Hickey... You know, for someone that's so unlike, you know, as I say, screw loose... Mm. 
You'd think he would just be some psychomaniac out there, like being a serial killer. But yeah, he's quite happy taking orders from this guy. So yeah, I know what you mean. But think about like Mad Max Two, where you've got Wes, who is the he's the he's the mohawk guy. He's the mohawk guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he's taking orders, orders even uh, from Lord Humongous. Lord Humongous. Or even a, even a James Bond movie. Like mm. You've always got the big bad henchman taking order from Blofeld or yeah, Doctor yeah. or whoever. Okay. Uh, you know, they can't all be Patrick Bateman. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's a good shout actually. Um, it, it, it's just that like you kind of think obviously you got your you're complaining about the diversity of the Italians, mm. and obviously when you start looking over Doyle's lot, there's Doyle, Hickey. Other Irish name. <laughs> uh, what is the name of the other Irish guy? Uh, I believe. Oh, Flannery. Oh, uh, Jack McCool. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, played by R.D. Cool. Ah. So there you go. Ah, there you go. Um, the um, the the marshal uh, comes down oh, to. Yeah, this is a great scene. Yeah, because that is played by Doctor Bob Kelso. It is Doctor Bob Kelso. Um, I believe if I have a quick look at my notes. Uh, Ken Jennings oh Ken, Ken Jenkins that's Ken the Jenkins one. yeah I don't, don't know why I can never remember his name obviously I've, I've watched because he's Dr. Bob Kelso yeah yeah I've, it's, that's it's it. like just Bob Kelso that's... it's like Don Faison is Turk yeah it's um, it's he he chews scenery in that he has his own one act play and he is the star of it and yeah. other people are props it's wonderful and what it does I mean from a technical point of view you know it adds a ticking clock to the movie. Yes, and I feel that from that point onwards, there's a bit more clarity. There's straight up urgency yeah, to what the, happens. Yeah, it's because it, you do get that sense of like, what is really going on here? It's, it's, it's all this back and forth. Yes, thing. I'm but, not... it, but it needed, it, and it's great to have him come in and give this yeah. ten minute monologue or five minute monologue, however long yeah, it is. You've got like two, three days or whatever. It yeah, is. You, however long before all me and my boys, my twenty rangers come in. Yeah. there's two gonna, gangs too yeah. many there's one too many there's one too many there, of course there's, of course there's going to be some corruption that's just the nature of the land it's yeah. like oh you get it you're, yeah, a, yeah. you're a scumbag everyone's a scumbag I don't think cool. he's like he's like uh, you know when you start thinking of alignments you know like chaotic geared and chaotic neutral sure you know, yeah, yeah, lawful yeah. like I he's like almost in a way chaotic lawful because he's playing things by the book but there are always going to be things that are happening that I can't deal with. Mm. So I'd rather there be something something simmering rather than this full all-out scale war that's happening. Yeah. So, um, yeah, one of you lot needs to pack your bags and, you know, F off. Yeah. So from there, uh, this is where we start seeing a little bit more the ramping up in the action, don't we? Yeah. So uh, Giorgio's been kidnapped and then there's the trade-off that happens. And that also, because it's so out of place, that might have happened before Kelso yeah. arrived. I can't remember. That's right. Yeah. Uh, this is going to be a bit of an issue. Yeah. Uh, with us going forward with this because... But here's what happens. We're just going to be going relative back and forth. Be- relative since. beats. Giorgio gets kidnapped. The old switcheroo almost happens, mm. but Chris Walken shoots someone in the chest <laughs> carrying the money but there's not really money but then Doyle has Mrs. Doyle no 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 Strazi sorry has Mrs. Doyle as a secret um, twist yeah. I guess I and kind of wonder as well how that happens like how yeah oh, just, it happens yeah she's, she's under watch 24-7 but yeah, somehow we've to about hey knowing. shut up Affleck so then this is yeah as I said starts ramping things up a little bit because Doyle's now concerned that uh, Felina's been nabbed once mm-hmm. and so he sends uh, Smith over to protect her 
And, yep. and this is where he kind of goes, right, I'm going to give her a Sorry, bit of a... Sorry, let's just track the logic of that. Hey, uh, guy who I... My men beat up your car because you looked at my woman. Go look after my woman. Yeah, I think it's, it, there is a bit of it because it's like... Because there's the idea that uh, Strazi's got more shooters turning up. And so when Smith goes to uh, check in on Felina, he wastes everybody sitting down, which, like for me turns into like a bit of a strength and a weakness everyone's dead around the table yep Christopher Walken's going around having a bit of a sniff oh yeah uh, <laughs> scratch and sniff so he's, he's picking up guns and he's uh, you know, checking out to see if they've been fired which some of them haven't been mm-hmm. and he obviously brings this to everybody's attention now the bit I thought was a bit weird about that is that yeah so they've just stated that they think it's about 15-20 guys mm-hmm. who literally bull rushed this place and shot everybody mm-hmm. up if you if you, if you're thinking like fifteen to twenty guys have rocked in here and blasted everyone at mm. the dinner table, mm. is it not then uh, maybe that someone was very slow on the draw and didn't get a shot off? Maybe. So it it's obviously there to lay the groundwork for the like the mistrust and the suspicion of of you know well you know Hickey's not accusing anyone of anything. He's just saying, oh, this is a bit strange. This doesn't mm. quite mm. you know two and two don't you know doesn't make, add up yeah, yeah. It's, but it does yeah, <laughs> that's the thing it's, it's like yeah there's a few it's contri- it's, contri- it's plot contrivances yeah. it's I don't trust you therefore but it's like well all the facts they yeah. add up so whatever so she gives him a little necklace and this fucking necklace dude right like, so that's the that's the obviously the bit that gets him caught because because he's he, having a bath you, we've all seen the good the bad and the ugly do an Eli Wallach yeah. Take that gun in the bath with you, baby. Just in case. Yeah, he, he's not. Uh, so he's quick enough to grab a gun when he's busting a nut in the prostitute, but yeah. he's not quick enough when the gun's literally by him. Nah, it, in it, the it, bath. to be fair, it was an extra half foot away, I guess. And he's in a yeah. bath; it's slippery, not on there, a bed. There is that, and I think obviously because he's relaxing, he's not expecting it. But yeah, again, when you start thinking about it, if, if you're on top of, if you're on top of a chick and you're, you know, he's. He's not going to town, but he's he's probably focused, <laughs> and yet he's quick enough to grab two guns, guns, yeah. and and nail you know those two guys that break in there. He's not quick enough now. Well, he was already nailing something. Yeah, exactly. So, so yeah. So then Hickey comes in, he explains why it was all. Uh, you know, they find yeah, then and then it is just plot plot plot. They find the necklace. They beat and him up. Then they really beat him up. Uh, I great. really like the makeup that they do oh, on yeah. Bruce Willis. And it, it reminded me of Mel Gibson or Payback. Mel Gibson in Payback. Yeah. And yeah, the makeup is glorious. Yeah. So they really make it look like Bruce Willis has been beating the shit out of. And he makes a very clever um, kind of hideaway in the big casket when they come back to check on him. <laughs> yeah. And, and he kills breaks the big out. dude. And obviously he takes a few bullets. Um, God, yeah, he does. And then he legs it and hides out uh, at Joe's. And this is where the uh, sheriff comes in. And it's like uh, he actually starts playing a bit of a part, a bit of a role. In Bruce Dern, yeah, does does some stuff just to really like, tick us over the edge. He kind of gives a little bit of a, um, a misdirection, tells them that they're hiding over at Slim's Roadhouse or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, oh, that's where um, 
you know, he's got all his new shooters and all, uh, where Strozzi's got his new shooters. Mm-hmm. So they all pile in and they go burn the house down. And they, they burn end it up... down and they kill Strozzi and Giorgio. Yeah, so that's kind of great. like, that's it. That's done. You know what I mean? Like where, mm-hmm. right, one gang has one. Yeah. Okay. But Bob but, Kelso doesn't need to come now. He's done his thing. He doesn't. But Bruce Willis is in a bad way. And he wants revenge. And sweet, sweet revenge. Sweet revenge. And boy, does he get it. He um, does. So he gets his uh, shooters, he rocks back up, tidies himself up, very nice of him, gets his hat, suit up. And uh, I really love the music in this anyway, but it really ramps up when, you know, that kind of, that really chugging guitar sound Mm. um, kind of allows a kind of like bit of tempo, a bit of dread. And just as he cracks through the door, it's sort of the music just stops abruptly. And then he goes like you know he opens up console, types in unlimited ammo. Oh, absolutely! God he mode. puts on God mode <laughs> and just takes them down. Yeah, he. Um, reason why he's gone here is because Joe Monday has been kidnapped and he's upstairs in the. Um, yeah, in you know the outhouse. I mean? oh, the outhouse, the whole house, or whatever it is. He's up. He's up in the attic of this uh, building that they've yeah. rocked into, uh, which I think Strazi's hotel actually. Okay. I think it, it, yeah, I think it's uh, they've taken over basically. Strazi or Doyle? Doyle. Doyle's taken over in Strazi's hotel. <laughs> Hickey's there. Leslie Mann's gone. Whatever. Yeah. Who cares? So he's gone upstairs. He's trying to make his way upstairs uh, to rescue Joe Monday. And yeah, he is killing everything in sight. It's probably one of the best action scenes I, when I think of, when I wanted to get into movie making. Mm. Uh, this was a very inspirational scene. Really? Yeah, I know it sounds really okay. weird. And, you, and I always wanted to, whenever I sort of did any writing or I wanted to portray kind of like action movies, I'd always think of this scene because mm-hmm. it's just how over the top and ridiculous it was. <laughs> yeah. And I loved it. And yeah. that, and when I see this kind of level of action, it makes me like a kid again okay. if, you know, if you kind of say like yeah, takes me yeah, yeah. almost back to that uh, I like the as I say yeah almost like the physics of it it's, it's, it's so unrealistic mm. but it's almost cartoonish in a way I have a similar but different thing I mm. liken my love of action films at times to um, the ending scene of Young Guns oh yeah, yeah there's yeah. no like hyper stylized like whoa to it but I just like that idea of like five, six guys in a house, 50 people on the outside, and yeah, what's yeah. going to happen, that is good watching. And yeah. It's trash, but it's good watching. Yeah, and I feel that some people could look at this and be like, it's trash. But for me, this is like, you know, like this is like almost, uh, for me, a linchpin, like a, a pinnacle cinema mm-hmm. for, for action scenes. Yeah. And it would, for me, like almost think that this, probably didn't inspire but has some uh, knock on for things like Max Payne yep. stuff like that yep. like you know it has inspiration for other media I mean as well. that's all that Max Payne is is going into rooms and killing all the people that are in there pretty much it's and it's I, I probably one of the reasons why I really like Max Payne because it reminded me of yeah. this type of action uh, so he clears up rescues Joe Monday yeah, and yeah. then he leaves a message for Hickey mm-hmm. um, and Doyle but he leaves up the Tommy gun you know nailed to yeah. the, the side yeah. 
and they go back to the church which is where Doyle is there going we won we don't need to fight we yeah, won yeah. and Christopher Walken and Bruce Willis are both there with their big swinging dicks go yeah. we need to find out who's got the biggest swinging dick yeah. and Christopher Walken as we found out has a trick he throws his tummy gun down and he turns around and he says without looking at the person or are you the type of person to shoot an armed man in the back yeah. and he does it down in Mexico when they kidnap Giorgio and he kills the Texas Ranger or whatever. Yeah. And he's about to do it to Bruce Willis. And Bruce mm. Willis just shoots him. Yeah. Shoots, yeah. shoots him hard. It's great. You've had, um, just before that, Joe Monday shoot Doyle. Shoots Doyle, dead. yeah. Because Joe Monday, oh, well, Doyle even is an absolute bastard to Joe Monday at times. Yeah, which well, is kind of, it's kind of like almost everyone's getting their comeuppance in yeah. a way. So Doyle's um, being shot and killed and. You know, for the most part, Hickey is like, I don't want to die in Texas. Oh, it's such a great... Yeah, yeah it's, it's a little screw you Texas, isn't it? <laughs> I don't want to die in Texas. Fuck you, yeah, Houston. And, and then, uh, and then yeah, he gets caught out and Bruce Willis is the quicker man. Yeah. So props to Bruce Willis or you know, John Smith. Yeah. I th- Would this film have been better or worse if Chris Walken had just walked away? Good question. Um, I think it would have been better. Yeah, because sometimes it's... You'd rather almost like in real life, not everyone gets their comeuppances. But this is not real life. And this is got to be... When we think of the time and era this movie being made, Mm. uh, I don't think anyone's really pushing the envelope in terms of storytelling. This is going to be a bit by the number, even oh, though it's obviously... Oh, for sure. And it, I'm sure if they let him live, the test audience would be like, no, we need to see the bad man die. Yeah, then there probably needs I... to be a little bit of closure on uh, Christopher Walken, his character dying. Yes, absolutely. Mm. Uh, but for me, I think it would have been better if they were just two peas in a pod and went, yeah, we know who we are. Yeah. You get to live. You're, you're not my... You, you are if a anything, friend of my enemy. If anything, John Smith should have died. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because he doesn't mind dying in Texas. Well, I I wouldn't say he wouldn't mind dying in Texas, but that would be his comeuppance and his penance and the fact that he's actually gone out of his way. He's saved the girl. He saved the girls. Mm. And he's now almost like dying for his sins. Yeah, got a bit of redemption going on. Yeah, Yeah, there there should be like that sort of redemption arc. He's sacrificing himself. Because really, at the end of the day, his character is very selfish. Yes. You know, he's he's very much in this. Unless there's a woman involved. Well, yeah, that's his weakness, his crux. But Mm. he's playing both sides for the money. Mm. Doesn't give a shit about anyone else, obviously, for that fact. Even though they're criminals Mm. that he's playing off. He's, you know, purely out for himself. Yeah. And... All about the money. Yeah, and he didn't have to. He, he could have fucked off. You know, he didn't have to yeah. stay in Jericho, did he? He could have got his car fixed and yeah. been on his way. Yeah. But he's decided to stick around. He could have got his car fixed by rain or shine. <laughs> <laughs> and you, yeah, I think it would have been a more poignant ending yeah. if Bruce Willis' characters died. Yeah, I, I reckon you're right. And I think, interestingly, I think you probably say that about a lot of action films. Mm. Uh, if. Yeah, the times when the lone gunman dies or at the end of the search just goes off into the wilderness again. It's like, yeah, that's yeah. your life. Or Red Dead Redemption. Never played it. You Fuck off. You've not played the best game that's ever been yeah. made. Yeah. That's, that's the movie. The movie. Yeah. It's real nuts and bolts. 96 sweet minutes. It's Walter Hill. 
I like the pacing. I know you yeah. said it drops. I think it's confused at times with the plotting, mm. but the pacing, there's not a wasted minute. He's knocking on doors and they're opening and we're into yeah, the next but scene. I feel like because not... they're almost like trying to cram so much story into sure, it. Sure, sure. And no, that, even though it's fast paced, I feel that probably could have done with a bit of slowing down in points. Obviously, okay. as we say, when Bob Kelso turns up and. Mm. Uh, gives the ultimatum mm. it does I'd say put it on a little bit more of a linear path with, with storytelling yeah um, but for the most part as as much as I love this movie yeah uh, it's uh, for me a major flaw which I feel really like because Walter Hill's a great storyteller yeah um, with all his scripts and all his films that he's done beforehand and I can see why this wasn't received as mm. well as it could be quite confusing I don't really understand the criticism that it's not a fun film. No, it's good fun. It's yeah. good fun. It is very good fun. But film. for me, the pacing, yeah, the pacing's fun. And in the hands of a different, not necessarily lesser, Yeah. but for example, and I love Nicholas Winding Refn. I yep. think all of his films are fantastic, except one. <laughs> uh, but if this was a Nicholas Winding Refn movie, you'd have had so many shots of the landscape and you'd have yep. so many sweeping shots and looking at that car in the distance driving mm. for five minutes or whatever just to create an ambiance and go, oh, it's world building and look at how, we probably have two or three shots of someone in the distance driving and it's right up when the Mexicans turn on Doyle, Doyle's men as watched yeah. by Strazi, where you're going, yeah, cool landscape. Two, three shots, a different movie. Bone Tomahawk does it. We were just mm. like, yeah, look, it's another sweeping shot. Lord of the Rings does it. Yeah, This movie goes Scene, scene, scene. Walter Hill, Walter Hill, Walter Hill. Yeah, Same yeah. as The Warriors. It's action, 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 action. And it's great. Well, I feel like with The Warriors, if we wanted to compare the two movies, I could tell you more the coherency and the, diff- and the plot points going as forward. Could I. Oh, as could I. Yeah. yeah. Um, and this, as I, I said, could tell you who loses out to which gang, yeah. how they lose out. Does Ajax get arrested? Yes, he does. Sad, <laughs> sad times. He didn't need to do it. But yeah, because um, say, for example, because um, we had this discussion when we were talking about 1917, mm. about how certain landscapes were almost its own character. Yeah. Which, in a way, is a little bit noir-esque. Yeah. Um, when we were talking about the Warriors, I remember back at uni doing a presentation about the themes of noir and using the Warriors as an example, mm. that how... Yes, it might not be of that era of cinema and it might not have certain tropes, but the things of the uh, certain themes that come through, like yeah. say the almost like the city being alive and its own character, or like the cold filter when it gets out of the river mm. and things like that. It's like, it's almost like ingrained in your mind about what's happening, where I feel in this movie, that's the power of Deacons, though, man. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. the sweat straight up power of Deacons. Of course. But almost like the cinematography is let down in a way because, A, everything's got that massive orange filter over everything. Yeah. So almost everything looks the same. Yeah. You know, there's, there doesn't feel, feel to be a lot of diversity in the settings. It's like, every, it's even taken inside these kind of wood paneled mm, buildings. Mm. And, also, and I think no, but I think yeah. there's a. I reckon the, that was a conscious choice to make it seem like Jericho is a place you don't want to be aesthetically. Yeah, looking at I it, get like, that. Oh, that film. It feels like a sticky. It feels like the weather's close. It's yeah. sandy. Everyone's sweating. It's hot. Wearing, it's terrible. And everyone's wearing woolen shoes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Egypt. Um, 
Whereas, yeah, 1917 is creating, you know, he gets out of the river and it's fresh and you can almost feel the nature around you and the coldness because it's like, all right, he survived. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. This, it felt like, yeah, it wanted to make it a really clammy environment. And I think it does, but I just don't think it's as good. I don't think it um, helps the story develop. It doesn't doesn't help with the fluidity of the story. It doesn't do anything apart from say to the audience, you don't want to be here. (laughs) I knew that because I don't want to be there. No, that's fair. Um, so any uh, like real standout acting? Uh, well, you... not right. We said we'd mention it, and yeah. Jesus Christ, Christopher Walken has the best scene in this film. Talk to me. Okay, no, I'm going to take that back. Ken Jenkins has the best scene in this film. Well, Christopher yeah, Walken I... has the best moment in this film. Okay, yeah. Where Bruce Willis as John Smith comes up to Doyle and he's like, "Okay, I'm going to work for you. Yippee ki yay, one thousand dollars." And yeah. Doyle and and Hickey, Chris Walken goes, "Nobody's worth that much." Yeah. And then Doyle goes, "He he is. He did this, this, and this. He did whatever." And Chris Walken, "Well, can he do this?" And he grabs a target <laughs> and just sprays it in the air. Just shoots the walls, shoots the ceiling. Kind of goes absolutely ham with his Tommy gun around the room. Yeah, it's, I kind, of those, it's one of those things that you kind of go, yeah, "Can he do this?" It's like. Yeah, probably. It's <laughs> a really surreal oh, right, moment. Yeah. I think, yeah, I mean, of the three char- big characters, four big characters. Yeah. Because I forget, I, I have four big actors even, I forget who plays Strauss. So you've got Bruce Willis doing an absolutely fine Humphrey Bogart. Yeah. Uh, you've got Christopher Walken doing, doing yeah. whatever Christopher Walken's doing. He's doing it. Yeah. Christopher Walken's great in this film. Uh, David Patrick Kelly is being uh, yeah Napoleon complex mm. and if you're doing that if it's a conscious choice great but ultimately I didn't care for him and you have then Ned Eisenberg as Strozzi oh yeah he's great yeah. Uh, I, I quite like him I think he brings a kind of level of almost like theatre you know, acting yeah a bit of that um, it's almost like a calmness to him as well like you can tell that he he's got the Italian vibe going. Oh, big time! Yeah, it's a lot of hands waving. The first waving thing hands. you see when Bruce Willis drives into this town is someone doing the old like arm slap. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. To him. <laughs> and it's like, oh, the Italians are here. I guess. Is it? Is it? Oh, probably gonna. Is it Vancouver? Vaffanculo. Yeah, I think something like that. Something like that. Take it in the ass. Take it in the ass. Take it in the ass. Yep. So this Italian guy is. I used to work with. And it's probably the worst thing you can say in Italian. I think it's like Dia Carne or something like that. Mm. Oh, don't look that up. <laughs> I will not. I'm good. It, it sounds like... Good. And I'm pretty sure I'm saying it right. It's like... It's You're saying it with the hand gesture. Yeah, you've got to say it. So I'm waving my hand. Yeah. Dear God, yeah. it's, that, it's one of my favourite Pete Holmes jokes where he's like, you can't be racist anymore. Of course you can't be racist anymore. Apart from two Italianos. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, I guess so. So let's do this. Guilty's pleasures. Yeah, I, I'd say for the most part, the story is a bit of a mixed bag. I get what they're trying to do with this, and they're trying to add a little bit of freshness to this, and by adding it into a different era, they have done that. Mm. The problem with, as we've been going throughout this whole episode, is again the I feel the storytelling could have been better. Yes. Um, and I, not to say this is any fault, and you know, you you, you try to sometimes put blame to things. Mm. Um, like, was this in the editing? Was this in the script? Mm. Was it just in general direction? Mm. 
Um, you think that Water Hill probably has to take some of the brunt for that. Uh, so I want to say guilty pleasure, but I would probably say guilty. I'm going to say guilty. Yeah. I'm going to keep it tight. Yeah. Number one, it, it originally was a two-hour movie. I think it should have stayed a two-hour movie. Yeah. Uh, number two, Fistful of Dollars and Yojimbo have done it way better. Yeah. Number three, the fact that we just watched it and couldn't remember it shows that storytelling wasn't great. Well, yeah, it's not that we couldn't remember it. It's that we do remember it. It's just like the the pacing, it's just almost so fast of what's going on. It's very hard to digest what was going on and where things were happening. Mm. And yeah. What's it's... the name of the gang in the Warriors that uh, has the female character that joins the Warriors? Oh, they're like the Lizzie's, that's it. Yeah. But there's so many things where you can be like, okay, it was that gang, then that gang, then that gang. This yeah. happened, he went there, that's where they split, they meet here, then they make the roller skating fuck. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then the riffs are doing their thing, etc., etc., etc. Like, oh, what a great movie. Should we uh, watch The Warriors after we'll, we'll, this? Yeah, we'll just watch that for our own pleasure, yeah. I think. Um, the, but the fact is, you can follow that coherently, and this, you can't. It's not good if you like it you're wrong yeah <laughs> guilty acting uh, acting um yeah and i'm putting directing in that same category i love yeah. walter hill but you can't that's what i was saying yeah he's, he's got to take a bit of blame for that yeah um bruce willis um uh he is doing a fine he, he even said he's doing hudson a... hawk <laughs> <laughs> he's not doing hudson hawk he's doing a fine humphrey bogart robert mitchum blend I liked Bruce Willis in this film. I think he's made a choice and he sticks with it. He's not doing what he's doing in, say, Cop Out or uh, the Death Wish remake mm. or things like that, where it is just, yep, I'm Bruce Willis here to do a Bruce Willis thing. Yeah, so kind of some of the uh, more supporting cast. So you've got like Bruce Dern as the sheriff. Yeah, pretty cool. Yes, yeah, really good. Uh, Felina, uh, played by Karina Lombard. Just nothing yeah. and nothing character so you know one of the those kind of like fine with the job you could literally yeah. put anybody else in that yeah. role and they put Sam be... Hayek in that position yeah and yeah now we're talking uh, any kind of oh put Sam Hayek in anything I love yeah. Sam Hayek <laughs> um, yeah all the Italians were pretty cool um, I would also say as well the supporting cast of the um, the Irish is lot um, mm. Ardy Cool is Jack McCool it's a very mm. cool name no Michael Imperioli as the shouty Giorgio was very shouty. He was very shouty. They, they were all very shouty Italians. I'm going to say guilty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe gu- guilty on that front. Yeah. yeah the, the Dr. Bob Kelso, Ken Jenkins, pleasure. Is, for me, as again, uh, I think the best part of the movie. Yep. Um, as much as everybody else is great, he, yeah, delivers that scene and that character with some real mm-hmm. acting chops. Yeah. And uh, then obviously you got uh, Christopher Walken is Christopher Walken, but he's not. No, he's not Christopher Walken. He's playing Hickey. He's Christopher he's Walken. A, he is acting really well. That's how really I imagine well. Christopher Walken is on a day to day. You think if Christopher Walken <laughs> IRL Christopher Walken gets slashed across the throat, he's going to talk like that? No, he's going to talk like he talks in Seven Psychopaths. All right, fair enough. Uh, pleasure. Yeah, always. Yeah. <laughs> uh, even when he's being Christopher Walken. David Patrick Kelly, Doyle. No, guilty. Yeah. yeah. Because there's a bit when they're looking for John Smith and he's like, you, over there, look yeah, over yeah. there. You, look that way, look that way. You, look at... And I'm like, stop talking. <laughs> they're all doing a thing. Let them do the thing. Also, maybe you should look somewhere. I think it's kind of the... Trying to portray almost like the panic. Yes. And the, the kind of 
franticness of what's happening mm. and his almost like loss of control yes. in a way. And I feel that that's what he's trying to portray in that moment. Yeah. Whether that comes across or not is... Yeah. Yeah, it's it, it, indifferent. It, it, yeah, I was indifferent to it. I'm going to say guilty. I like David Patrick Kelly. Yeah, I've got a lot of time. He's great in Longest Yard as well. And typically, they're all good actors. They're yeah, all if, very good actors. I'm just talking strictly about the characters. I'm going, yeah. I don't like you. I, think I don't think it's happening for it's me. It's almost like that is kind of wraps the whole film in a, in a sense that on paper oh yeah this film sounds great because yeah. it's like right got Walter Hill taking on a really successful story mm-hmm. and you've got a really brilliant cast mm-hmm. yet somehow this is just not clicked yes no but no you're right it, it should have been better the sum of its parts was better than the sum of its whole cool yeah I think that almost we could end the podcast at that Forever um, or <laughs> yeah, fuck okay. it. It's been it's been Done. good. Thanks. Episode four out. <laughs> uh, but no, I think that can put um, a cap on it really because yeah. uh, I think that's a brilliant way of, of saying it. Um, Overall, I'm giving this film a guilty. Don't you don't need to watch it. You can watch a better version of it uh, if you want to watch I, it. I'd say you watch it with a hangover. Yeah, I'd, I'd say or don't because you'll just get confused. I, I would say uh, I feel more people should see this movie uh, if you haven't and you're listening. I I think it's a really good watch, and I think for the action, it's a great watch because mm-hmm. uh, this is definitely watch Doom. Really, the POV kills in Doom. Yeah, that's sweet. cool. But I still think this watch is cool. Unforgiven. That's that's super cool. That is cool, but not as cool as this. This is cool. This is like. <laughs> C O O L, very cool. It's okay. All right, it's fine. Well, this is where we can agree to disagree. Yeah, you know what I mean, it's just like I think that this part of cinema is kind of overlooked these days, where you can just have yeah. a really a heavy action movie. Yeah, I'll tell you what, they mm. don't make films like this anymore. No, not necessarily for good or bad reason. But they don't, whether it's because they need more uh, diversity in plot lines. Audiences are way ahead of the game. Mm. That you need to give them something that keeps them more engaged. Yep. There are films like when I mean, Hardcore Henry came out a few years ago, which was very yeah. gimmicky. Yeah. But it was that same thing of plot, pop, I'm going to get from A to B and kill people. Yeah. I uh, don't feel that's almost... Because I get what you're saying there with that. I feel that, that this isn't almost even though it has a gimmick... This uh, last man standing, it's not gimmick based. No. You know what I mean. So when you're saying Doom, you know, oh, like they go yeah, that was like, first person POV, yeah. and that's what I mean when I say they don't make them like this anymore. And you wouldn't get this cast of people doing this film. No, because, that's that, and that's again, it. no disrespect to it. They want to be doing films like the Marvel franchise, which is part of a mm, bigger thing, or yeah. Tenet, which is a crazy forwards backwards mindfuck. <laughs> they don't have an action movie there isn't I can't if you ask me right now name me an action film director yeah know. yeah good shout actually like, I have no idea Shane Black yeah but he's of a, <laughs> he's of that era like yeah 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 from, I mean he's from the last century that's yeah name me one from this century that's come up in prominence and gone you're an action you're not again Winding Refn does action films but he's yeah I know what you're trying you're asking him like uh, for like a John Woo or John Woo yeah, Walter like, Hill yeah uh, Catherine Bigelow yeah you yeah know? these like, filmmakers it's like oh I'm going to go see a John Woo movie you know what I mean I am going to go so therefore I am going to go see an action movie yes you know absolutely I mean? it's like almost saying I'm going to go see an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie mm. from the 90s yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah you have filmmakers that are action still of course you do Quentin Tarantino yeah of course yeah. 
the Wachowskis. Sure. But, yeah, that's probably... But they are intelligent movies that have a message and have a meaning. Yeah, I'd just... almost say that the Wachowskis are quite cerebral in their telling the I've, stories. I've just thought of the answer. Yeah. Uh, when I think of his name, and I will tell you exactly the film. David Ayer. Yeah. David Ayer is probably the last one. He's yeah. the last man... St- he's the real last man standing. <laughs> shout out to David Ayer. Of course. Or um, Skip Woods. Yeah, good shout out. Um, right, so final verdict on the movie. You're saying guilty. Don't watch it. Watch a better version. Yeah, I, I'm saying it's on the verge of pleasure, but it's a guilty pleasure. It's um, again what we here to do on the podcast is obviously uh, present these movies that we hold dear to ourselves. And for me, this movie holds dear because this reminds me so much of when I was, as a younger. Mm. and wanting to really get into film maybe not so much in terms of like you know directing writing producing editing whatever i wanted to get in and wanted to do action movies because Mm. of this movie Mm. and uh when i think about you know seeing it on the video stand with its a very distinctive orange orange yeah it's orange box and i would pick this movie out every so often this is definitely like a for me a rewatchable movie to a point where I probably would skip a lot of the movie mm. just to get to the action points and be like yeah I know what's going on yeah. here. skip 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 right here we go right let me just watch Bruce Willis unload on these guys yeah uh, different movie actually yeah not that kind of movie that's <laughs> <laughs> man finishing cool so um, so what's the next movie we're going to do then um, I don't know off the top of my head. Fair enough. Uh, cool, awesome. Um, so thanks very much for listening. Uh, that's been Last Man Standing, and I've been Adam. I've been Craig. And we'll catch you next time. We are watching a movie That we are talking about So sit back about it talk about it maybe get some popcorn or maybe some snacks because we are watching a movie that we're gonna be a talking about uh,